You're listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, Episode 84. Welcome to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, where we explore public health epidemiology careers and share tips and strategies to help you enter or transition into the field. And now your host, Dr. Charlotte Hughes-Huntley. Well, greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this episode. In this episode, you're going to meet Dr. Monique Brown. Dr. Brown talks about her journey into public health and many of her experiences along the way. She is a professor, a researcher, owns a consulting business, and she hosts a podcast. She is passionate about HIV research and mental health, trauma, and aging. She shares some valuable tips and advice for public health students, professionals, and also those that are interested in starting a business. So be sure to listen to the full episode. Now, before we join the interview, I just want to point out that this interview was recorded a few weeks ago, and I was sick at the time. I often record my podcast in segments. So during the time of the interview, I was sick. Hopefully, you'll be able to just move past the sound of my voice and just focus on the information that we're actually discussing. I was really worried about my, I don't know, that my congestion would be too much of a distraction. But my interview schedule is sometimes really hard to maneuver and change. And I knew it'd be a little difficult to reschedule the interview. So I just wanted to explain that to you ahead of time in case you start to listen and notice a difference. Now, with that being out of the way, (laughs) let's go ahead and join the interview with Dr. Brown. Well, today I'm very excited to welcome to the show, Dr. Monique Brown. So Dr. Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am very excited about this interview because you and I met at the APHA annual meeting in San Diego, and uh, we chatted for just a few moments, and then we kind of lost contact, and I had to track you down a little bit. But uh, (laughs) very excited to have you um, join me on this episode. And I've told the audience a little bit of, uh, gave a little bit of an introduction um, to you already, but if you would just tell them a little bit about yourself, you know, describe what you've done in the past and the work that you're doing now. Okay, great. So uh, once again, Dr. Huntley, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. So originally I, you know, I'm from Jamaica originally, so I came to the U.S. for college So I came and I attended Bates College in Lewiston, Maine, very far and different from Montego Bay, Jamaica, but it was was a great school, Um, enjoyed my time there, got my Bachelor of Science, and I actually studied Spanish and pre-med. And then after that, I went to Brown University, where I got my Master of Public Health degree. And then I worked for two years as a data analyst in the Office of Research and Evaluation at the Boston Public Health Commission. And we did a lot of research on just um, a variety of public health issues that affected Boston residents. And then after that, I went to the Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine, where I got my PhD in epidemiology. And then after that, I worked as a postdoc research scholar and then as research faculty at the University of South Florida in Tampa. And then after my time there, I started at the University of 
South Carolina. So now I'm in the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics in the Arnold School of Public Health as an assistant professor. So with that, I also do um, a couple of other things. So I am founder and president of Brown Research Consulting, Inc. And this is a research consulting company that provides research support, grant writing support, and editing services to individuals, to nonprofits, and also to just organizations in general. And we also provide public health expertise in a wide variety of public health areas. And I also have a podcast that I recently started, started this year, and it's entitled Dr. Mo Speaks. And I think it's a great platform where I discuss health issues, not only at the public health level, but also at the individual level. And I also provide resources addressing those health challenges. So that's just a brief summary of where I'm coming from and what I do now. I think that's great. I love the fact that you wear many hats <laughs> and I find that that's a common denominator, I think, in this field because we right. have, there's so many options, so many things to do. And I think that's a fascinating aspect for me when you can find right. your place and you can do multiple things. And, and, uh, and I'm going to definitely ask you more about your podcast in a little bit. Um, but I forgot to mention this to you as well. We also have in common your time at Virginia Commonwealth University. Oh. The School of Medicine, yes. My um, my daughter was actually born at that hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was. Um, I lived in that area just north of Richmond. Okay. And during the time that I was pregnant with her, I was high risk because I had developed diabetes and oh. my blood pressure was really high the whole time. And mm. so I was really high risk and I had to, um, we were about a 45 minute commute north of Richmond. So I would have to commute there for weekly visits. Um, wow. And multiple inpatient stays throughout that pregnancy. That was a rough ride, but that was a great teaching hospital. Mm -hmm. That was a great facility. Mm -hmm. I was really fortunate to be close to a facility like that. Right. So how did your previous roles help prepare you for, uh, or I guess the transition into what you're currently doing as assistant professor? Okay, great. So I think, I really think a lot of my experience experiences, especially my tertiary educational experiences and work experience prior really prepared me for the role that I'm in now as an assistant professor. And to be honest with you, not even thinking about our podcast interview today, but I was thinking about this yesterday. For some reason, I was thinking about even my Bates College education. And if you don't know much about Bates College, it's a liberal arts college, one of the, um, one of the top liberal arts colleges in the U.S. And one thing that they focus on while I was there and even still now is the ability to think critically, to sort of think beyond the surface. And I was thinking about this yesterday. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, even my base college education is something that has really prepared me even for a role as assistant professor where you have to think beyond the surface level. You have to go beyond what's just on the paper. You have to go beyond what the words are telling you. You have to think between the lines. You have to think critically and be able to express that in an effective manner. 
So I think my educational experience definitely helped with the roles that I have today. Of course, my my Master of Public Health experience, um, my educational experience at Brown University helped even working as a data analyst at the Boston Public Health Commission. So, and I think that played a huge role in my value for working with the community now. So even though I have a PhD in epidemiology, I'm an epidemiologist, I still value working with the community, going out into the community and um, connecting with advocates. For example, most of my research focuses on HIV. So a lot of times I'm out in the community connecting with HIV advocates, um, connecting with people living with HIV. For example, if they have support groups, if they have specific community clinics, like I'm there just connecting with people on that level. So I think as a data analyst at the Boston Public Health Commission, where we were focused on health issues affecting Boston residents, there we also had opportunities to be out in the community and to present our findings that we found from the data there to the different communities, right? Because Boston, I think they have, I can't remember the number, maybe eight or nine different smaller communities. So we would go into the community to communicate what we had found based on that specific community. And the community members really valued that. So I think that experience actually helped me now to really value that role in community engagement. And another role, so, you know, of course, my PhD educational experience at BCU, of course, prepared me very, very well for the position that I have today. And as a postdoc, you know, to be honest with you, when I was in my PhD program and I had a couple of mentors there when I was getting ready to graduate and they were suggesting, oh, I think you should apply for a postdoc position. And I was like, I don't want to do a postdoc. (laughs) You know, to be honest, that was my view. I was like, I don't want to do a postdoc. I want to go straight into, you know, an assistant professor position. I was a little bit adamant about that, but I didn't, I didn't negate it altogether, the postdoc idea. So when I was applying for positions after my Uh, Well, during or close to the end of my PhD experience, and I was applying to positions, I did apply for postdoctoral positions as well as assistant professor positions. And the best one that I believe that would have been a great fit at the time was a postdoc position in HIV behavioral research at the University of South Florida. So this was a, a, a little bit of change because this position was not in the the College of Public Health at USF. It was in the College of Behavioral and Community Sciences. So, you know, but I was always interested in doing more HIV research because that is something that I have been passionate about, even as a little girl growing up in Jamaica. And, you know, people close to me um, sort of know this story, but when I was growing up in Jamaica, And, you know, in my early years, that's when HIV first came on the scene, not only in Jamaica, but just worldwide in general, when it was first discovered. And I remember when, you know, it was a huge, um, it was a problem in the sense that we didn't know what it was, 
right? We didn't know what HIV was. We knew that, you know, people were affected, people were dying. And so I, I remember I wanted to know more about it. And I remember, I think maybe I was around 10 or the time when I was watching this um, health report on the news in Montego Bay, Jamaica. And they said, okay, by a certain year, you're going to know somebody or you're going to know somebody who knows somebody with HIV. And actually, by that time came around, one of my friend's parents had contracted HIV and passed away. And it was a very sad time. Um, you know, for my friend's family and for us who knew the family very well. And that really triggered something in me to really want to raise more HIV awareness, to do more research. And so all this time, this was something that was in the back of my mind, even as I came to school here in the States and I, you know, went to different colleges, different universities, so when the opportunity came up for a postdoc position in HIV behavioral research, I decided that this was the time to do so. So I went there, and as I said, it was more in behavioral and community sciences, but this once again really propelled my interest in community engagement and also behavioral science. And then I, I stayed there after my postdoc for um, a couple more years as research faculty. So, so with that experience where I was an epidemiologist, but I had um, postdoctoral training and experience in behavioral science and community sciences, I believe all my experiences really prepared me well for my role as an assistant professor at University of South Carolina. And also, even I'm in the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics, but I'm also a faculty affiliate with the South Carolina Smart State Center for Healthcare Quality. And that is also in the Arnold School of Public Health. So this is a center that is sponsored by the state, and this center focuses on um, a lot of HIV behavioral research. So to be able to be in the Department of Epi and Biostatistics and also to be an affiliate with the center, I mean, it was almost the perfect position where I was able to combine all the, the, the skills that I've learned in Epi and in behavioral science. And also, of course, to learn more from, you know, senior professors and even to learn from students. I'm learning from the students every day, to be honest. So to be able to learn from students in both these settings as well. That is phenomenal. I I think that, <laughs> um, you know, I was listening to your story and, and this is so important because I try to emphasize this wherever possible to become really clear about what your passion for public health is, to be aware of that, even if you don't know the job title mm -hmm. or exactly what you want, but being really clear about what you're most passionate about, it really does direct your path because you tell the story of, you know, of HIV and its impact, mm -hmm. you know, from when you were a little girl mm -hmm. and what you experienced and what you, and how it affected your close mm -hmm. friend in the family and, mm -hmm. and how that has been something you've really deeply cared about all these years. That is how you were able to really recognize the opportunities when they presented themselves, because I, I'm sure there were plenty of postdoctoral opportunities, right. but you were able to focus in 
on that one because you were really aware of what you were passionate about. And even to this point now in the role that you're in, you're able to connect the work that you're doing and really still be very focused on the areas that you care about most. And and that is the message that I try to really get across to so many other people. Sometimes the position itself, the title may look and sound very different, but if you're connected to the population, mm-hmm. the disease, the cause, the issue that you're passionate about, you're you're going to be happy and you're going to be able to really develop a, a fulfilling career. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a great story. Thank you for for sharing that. And I'm really glad to know that you're able to connect and be involved in the research. And right now, today, with your position as as assistant professor, but you know, to continue to do the work that you care about uh, and learning more about HIV, I definitely agree with you on always learning from students. Um, mm-hmm. I teach as an adjunct, and I think that that is very true. We are constantly, you know, as much as I'm facilitating discussions and I'm leading the classroom and I'm teaching the students, I'm still constantly in a position to learn from them, which is, I guess, an added bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's great. And I just want to, you know, you made a very good point, if I can just interject here, Dr. Huntley, that I'm glad that you're emphasizing the point, and I think that's very important, emphasizing the point, what is your passion? Mm -hmm. What are you passionate about in public health? And I think that's a huge point to really emphasize because once you find that passion, then you're able then to really examine potential opportunities that come up and decide, okay, will this help me to fulfill, you know, my passion in research or if it's a specific area of research? Or would this help me to fulfill my passion in community engagement in this specific population? So I'm glad that this is something that you're highlighting because for me, as I said, even though I was always interested in HIV, um, there weren't many opportunities that came up right away Mm -hmm. that were HIV specific, I should say. But it was always something that I was um, interested in. And so it was always in the back of my mind. So when it came to this point to really examine the opportunities that I had, and I said, okay, this is my passion. This is what I really want to make a difference in. And so I decided to take that path. And so this is where I am um, based on that decision so far. Yeah, I. this is great. I um just appreciate you for for saying that and for adding that because it's it helps to have someone else someone else's voice because sometimes I feel like I'm mm-hmm. fussing <laughs> when I'm always sending out that message <laughs> but um but yeah so in addition I was going to ask you my next question was um we know that you care about you know mm-hmm. HIV but what other areas of public health are you passionate about also Yes, definitely. So HIV, of course, but I'm also passionate about just psychosocial health in general. So I'm also interested in mental health. So psychosocial health could include mental health, social behavioral health. So that's another area that I'm very passionate about. And when you think about um, HIV, for example, populations living with HIV or even in terms of HIV prevention, there's a lot of interplay between um, HIV prevention and intervention and psychosocial health. So that's another area that I'm definitely interested in. 
And I'm also interested in the area of aging with HIV. So as you know, people are living much longer now because of the improvements in treatments that we've had over the past 10 to 15 years. So people are living longer with HIV. And sometimes um, this is a population that's forgotten. So this is another area that I'm interested in is really trying to examine um, the intricacies and the challenges that may come up as someone ages with HIV and how we can improve or maintain um, a good quality of life for that population. Mm, that's very important. And that is an excellent point because you're right, uh, people are living longer right. um, with HIV than you know years before. So that is definitely a vulnerable population. So that's an important focus. Mm-hmm. Now, in the same vein of what we've been discussing with regards to students here, mm-hmm. what are maybe some just some different points or tidbits of advice that you could share for current students who are maybe working on their degree right now? Um, you know, things that they could do to help prepare them for their careers in public health. Do you have any tips or advice that you can share? Yes. So for current students who may be working on their degree and are interested in careers in public health. So I would recommend that first to get practical experience, whether it's the form of assistantships or internships in the area where you would like to pursue a career. And I think this goes across the board. So even even if people, you know, if they're doing a master's degree or even if they're doing a bachelor's degree, um, I think it's very important that they seek out these practical experiences so they have an idea, okay, is this something that I really want to do or should I, you know, be looking at something else? And I think sometimes when we're searching for these internships or an assistantship, they might not be in the specific area. So for example, if you're interested in, let's say, cancer research, and maybe an assistantship or internship comes up, it might not be cancer related, but it might be in an area where you can at least have an idea of like the day-to-day happenings in in a similar position. So I would not um, leave those opportunities out. I would definitely, you know, if you're going to talk to someone, find out more about it first before you say, no, I'm not interested. And I say that based on my personal experience. So while I was a master's student at Brown University and they had, um, they had assistantships available. So there was one assistantship that became available. And I think I, yes, I was in my first year of my master's program. And my um, epidemiology professor had recommended me for that assistantship to another professor who was in charge, but it was not HIV specific, right? The professor who was working on HIV research actually did not have funding for another assistantship. So another one came up, my epi professor talked to me about it, recommended me for it. And it was in violence epidemiology. So here I was in charge of, and it was related to the Rhode Island Violent Death Reporting System, which is part of the National Violent Death Reporting System for the CDC. So it was violence epi and it wasn't HIV. But I said, okay, let me see if 
um, let me just see what the position is about. Mm -hmm. And so it was a tough position because here I was researching um, violent deaths, right, in the state. So it was deaths that occurred due to homicides or suicides or even deaths of undetermined manner. But that position, and I learned a lot from that position in terms of data management, in terms of data analysis, in terms of quality assurance. And those experiences actually helped me with the position that I got at the Boston Public Health Commission as a data analyst. So those experiences definitely helped me. So, but then it was interesting because, I mean, sometimes things just come together like years after. Right. So when I was thinking, I was thinking to myself probably a month ago, and I, I think I was, um, I can't remember if I was maybe answering these questions or something. And I was thinking about this a month ago. And I said, wait, that experience during my master's program in violent epidemiology probably fueled my interest in trauma research. Mm -hmm. because now I do a lot of trauma research in terms of the association between trauma and HIV-related outcomes. So then I was like, hmm, because, and the the award that I have now, I have a KO1 from the National Institute of Mental Health is focused on examining um, childhood trauma among older adults living with HIV. So that really fueled my interest in trauma. And then I was like, oh, maybe there is um, this relationship between trauma and HIV where we can assess or examine to find out what potential interventions could work for people who have been exposed to trauma and living with HIV, for example. So I say all that to say, (laughs) if you have an opportunity that might not be, let's say, topic-specific, to what you're interested in, still find out more about it before you say no. Okay. So get practical experience. Oh, I'm going to pause right there because I love what you just explained. I think that's an example that um, I really hope everybody's hearing and getting that because again, it's not going into it. It didn't look like something that fit your, you know, exactly your list, your criteria. Mm-hmm. But because of that experience, it actually helped you bridge a gap. It helped you to identify a gap and an area, a unique perspective to pursue HIV. And, um, and that's, that's valuable. That's invaluable. So that's a, an excellent point. So I'm going to let you continue, but I just had to say that. Yes, no, that's great. Thank <laughs> you. And then my next point is um, another thing that current students could do, build relationships with you know, current classmates, professors, basically, um, even with where you are, network with other people. Because these connections will more than likely help you as you pursue your public health career. Even current classmates, professors, um, mentors, just ensure to build those relationships. Because relationships that I had established um, as a student, I mean, they're even helping me to this day. So I think it's important that you make an effort to build working relationships and establish relationships with people around you. And then the third thing I wanted to highlight as a current student, practice self-care. I think self-care is very important. Sometimes as students and even as um, non-students, we all get busy, but I think self-care is very important that we find the time to take care of ourselves. And that's a habit now. 
I didn't do too well at that as a student. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say, I think if you make it a habit now, it can definitely help in the long run. So you can be a hard worker. You can be diligent. You can accomplish the things that you have set out to do as a student, which is, you know, getting your degree or um, building your career. But it's also important because if you don't take care of yourself, then you won't be as effective at those things that you're trying to build yourself to do. So I just think it's important that students make that a habit now, and then it will be easier to incorporate as you obtain more responsibilities in your life and in your workplace. Mm, that's a really that's a really good one. I, I completely agree with you on that. And I think that sometimes we can drift away from it without realizing it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's very, very important. I agree. Yeah. Now I'm going to shift a little bit because I have a large part of the audience I know have already completed, you know, their degree. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they just lack experience. Maybe they're recent graduates or trying to, to start in public health, you know, already earned a degree, just lack experience. Do you have any advice for people who fit that category? Yes, because I I was there, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> After my master's, uh, when I got my MPH and I got my MPH at a time when the economy was really, really down here in the U.S. because I got my MPH in 2009 and there was sort of that breakdown, I think, in the economy in like 2008. Mm -hmm. So I've been there where, um, you know, I had my MPH and I was, you know, trying to get a job. So my suggestions for students or, you know, people who have just graduated and maybe they lack the experience, for example. So sometimes we have to take, um, we probably have to take an experience where that job is probably not our quote-unquote dream job, Mm -hmm. okay? At least in the beginning, right? So without the experience, you may have to decide to take a job that is not your quote-unquote dream job, at least for a season. However, we still have to be careful in the sense of you should not take just any and any position, but you have to be strategic about the position that you take. So this position I recommend should not just be any position, but it may help to open up other doors and help you to land your dream job later down the line. Okay. So as I said, if it's similar to what I had suggested for the student, so if this is a job that is not specific necessarily to um, your your area of interest, specifically, like if you're interested in HIV, you're interested in cancer, or you're interested in um, chronic diseases, you're interested in surveillance, maybe there's a position that comes up because maybe you lack experience in those specific areas. And there's a position that opens up that you can take but it might not be in that specific area. But I'm telling you, more than likely, you know, if you are strategic about it in the sense that, okay, what will I be able to gain from this position? What can I learn from this position? Are there new skills that I can add to my resume? If I, you know, after being in this position for a time, and what can I learn, right? And of course, you are valuable as a person 
so you know that you'll be able to offer your educational um, experience to that position as well. And if they're interested in bringing you on board, they find value in what you have to bring to the table. So you'll be offering what you know, and then you'll also be learning. So I'm saying just for now, you might have to take a position. If you don't have that much experience, you might have to take a position that's not your dream job, but it, it can provide other skills that you may use later on down the line in your dream job. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. So the next advice that I have is network, 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 network. And sometimes the best positions are landed through not only what you know, what you know is very important. Okay. So, but you, you have your education. um, So you, you have that part covered. However, who you know can also make a huge difference. And so, you know, sometimes when we say the word network, I remember when I was a student or when I just graduated, I kind of started trembling when I heard network. Like, oh, I have to talk to people. You know, I have to talk to people first. I have to talk to people first. I have to go up to somebody. Because, you know, I... I'm the kind of person like, you know, I don't mind talking to people. I love talking to people, but me going up to them first, I'm like, mm, <laughs> that, you know, that was, that was my weak point. Right. So even, even when I approached you, Dr. Hudley, cause you, <laughs> you, you had mentioned in the, the business meeting, the epidemiology APHA business meeting that, you know, you had a podcast. If you're interested in being a part of it, we should approach you. And right. even before I post I'm like, hmm, I have to go to her. <laughs> Everybody says that to me. I'm the easiest person to approach. But I get that often. Like, oh, gosh, I, have to, I, I don't know if I could. I'm not going to say it first. That's Dr. Huntley. Like, um, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so so i'm telling you so even now i still you know if there's a little thing i think about when i have to approach people first but it's very important because you see just this is a perfect example where if i had not approached dr huntley i would not have the opportunity to be on this podcast you see what i mean yeah yeah it's perfect and you're right and then look at how much we have discovered uh, that it's we have in common, common right. in, our, in our conversation so yeah, I, I'm always, always emphasizing the importance of networking. So I'm a, in agreement with everything you're saying on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so that, that's, my, that's my suggestion. If you can attend conferences, attend seminars, attend workshops um, where you can meet other people. And, you know, even if you meet somebody who does not have like a position open, they might know someone. A lot of times people know someone who knows someone who has a position open. So it's very important to network and don't be afraid to take the first step because a lot of times in terms of, you know, trying to get a job, you really have nothing to lose in approaching someone, right? So just network, network, network. And um, my other suggestion is, and this is along the same lines where don't be afraid to let others know that you are on the market for a job, Right. You never know what other people may know or what connections they may have. So this is in line with networking, but don't be shy in terms of letting people know, oh, you know, I just got my 
MPH or I just got my bachelor's, um, you know, science or whatever it is, whatever degree, I'm on the market, these are my interests. Along those lines, you have to be able to sell yourself, to sell your skills or your knowledge, you know, so those really play an important role in um, don't be afraid to let other people know um, that you're looking for a job. I think that's great. I love uh, all the tips that you shared there, and I completely agree with you as well. So thank you for that. Um, Wow, thank you for everything that you have shared. This is really good. Um, I have just one last question for you, and I would just like to know, um, based on your experience, what specific job seeking or business building tips can you share for people who are interested in public health careers? Yes. So um, that's a very good question. Based on my experience, many opportunities may come up and you may not always be able to do all of them. But if you're able to choose those opportunities, that will not only add another line on your resume or your CV, but will also add value to your career, then my recommendation is by all means, make use of those opportunities. So make use of those opportunities. I mean, I think that will definitely help you in your job seeking um, endeavors. And in terms of business building, it's very important. And as a business owner, this is something that I still think about. So in terms of business building, you have to believe in your product or your service, right? Before you can truly convince others that they want this product or service. You know what I mean? It's so true. So (laughs) true. (laughs) You as a business owner, or this is something you're thinking about, you have to believe in your product or your service before you can convince others that what I have is valuable. That's right. You know, and an example where while I was living in Tampa, there was an event that um, a church that did a lot in the community in terms of even providing Um, food and other resources for homeless population. So they had an event and then they had vendors for different businesses, like local businesses. It was just a wide variety of people, um, of vendors there. There were a couple of people selling like fruit juices or lemonades. And then there was me with, you know, research consulting. And then there was a group for that focused on supporting women and then there was a pharmacist there. I mean, it was just a wide, a wide range of, of business orders in this little room. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what I loved about that picture was that the, the lady who was selling her lemonade, she believed it was the best lemonade in the world. Mm-hmm. And it was. <laughs> when, she, when she told me it was the best lemonade and I had that lemonade, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then, you know, the pharmacist, he believed he had, you know, some of the best, the best resources at his pharmacy, the support group. So that that just um ingrained in me like a picture that, you know, believing in your product or service can definitely impact um how you sell yourself to others and how people value your product or service. And then, so once again, I can't emphasize it enough. Networking is also very important and networking in different venues. 
So um, you may be at, you know, other vendor events to help build your business, or you may be at conferences or seminars for job seeking. So that's very important in terms of um, trying to network in different places. And my last suggestion or recommendation, don't give up. Continue to work hard, even though you might not have gotten that interview, or maybe you got the interview, but you didn't get the job in terms of business building. Maybe you thought you had a contract, but it fell through, or you thought you had a client, but it didn't work mm -hmm. out. Don't give up, right? The, the main thing is to learn from what did not work in the past. You use it in the present to improve the future. That's all we can do. Sometimes we work hard, you know, as a teacher or as an assistant professor, if something didn't work well in class, I try to learn from it. I use it today and then to improve my next class, okay? Hard work and persistence usually pay off in the long run. So we have to be persistent in what we do. So don't give up, just continue trying continue to network, continue to use resources that are available. For example, I know a lot of you are learning a lot from Dr. Huntley's podcast. So just using these resources that are available to help you on your journey and then just using what did not work in the past to use it in the present and to improve your future. That is amazing. Amazing. Excellent words of wisdom. Thank you so much. <laughs> For, oh, this is amazing. I hope that, uh, well, I just, I know that the audience is really appreciating everything that you've been sharing. And I appreciate you taking the time and, and being on the podcast with me. And thank you for having the courage to come up to me and introduce yourself. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. No, I still remember that day. <laughs> I, am, I remember. I remember because I, at the time that you approached me, there were like several people that were around me and I felt like my attention was a bit right. divided. Right. And, um, and I'm the person that likes to be like focused on who I'm talking to. So I felt like I was not giving right. my, you know, I was giving pieces of my attention to everybody, which, but um, I'm really glad that you did reach out and, and I'm glad we're able to connect. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast for everything that you've been sharing. I'm going to, uh, provide links to connect with you in the show notes page for this episode. So everyone who's listening, if you would like to um, connect with Dr. Brown, learn more, then um, she has generously provided all of her contact information, um, links to her business and in her podcast, which I encourage you all to check out. So I will make sure that all of those links are uh, in the show notes. But um, once again, what is the name of your podcast? Yes, thank you. The name of my podcast is Dr. Mo Speaks, and it's broadcasted on Anchor.fm, but you can find it, I think, in majority of the platforms that distribute podcasts. So it's Dr. Mo Speaks. Yes, I was able to find it in iTunes, and uh, so I've subscribed. So I encourage you to check out her podcast, and I will, again, I'll provide links to it in the show notes, um, and... Yeah, thank you so much again for being oh, here. This, this is was great. great. And, thank uh, you. So um, I will. Uh, we'll be in touch. We live close enough that we're going to have to have coffee or lunch sometimes. Right. So <laughs> definitely. Take care. Thank you, Doctor Huntley. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Doctor Brown. 
I remember having a big cup of green tea with honey and lemon right next to me the entire time. I tried to mute myself and sip tea between questions. <laughs> it is a delight to speak with Dr. Brown, and, and I encourage you guys to all listen to her podcast, Dr. Mo Speaks. She shared some really valuable information and great tips during the interview, and I hope that you guys appreciate that information. I will link to her podcast, her business, and all the social media links that she shared with me to share with all of you in case you're interested in connecting with her, which I encourage you to do so. All of those links will be on the show notes page for this episode, which is episode 84. So just visit the website, drchuntley.com, and that's D-R-C-H-H-U-N-T-L-E-Y.com. And once you're there, click on podcast from the main menu, and then just navigate to episode number 84, and you'll find all the links and the details from this show on the show notes page there. If you like the podcast and you're benefiting from the information that I share with you on these episodes, then please take a moment and write a favorable review in iTunes. It really does help our show rise higher on the charts, which makes it easier, much easier for others to find the show and then decide whether or not it's worth their time to tune in and listen. Your review also encourages me to continue to put forth the time and effort to bring these new episodes to you every week. All right, everyone, until next time, have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast at drchuntley.com.